0: By becoming a monthly patron, you'll also receive our weekly newsletter. Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. I'm Jonathan Kay. Iran is an unusual country. On one hand, the Iranian people are inheritors to one of the most important civilizations in human history. Yet in modern times, Iran has fallen victim to two separate political diseases. Junta-style military autocracy under the Shah, who was deposed in 1979, and then Islamist theocracy under the Ayatollahs. Who have ruled ever since. Over the last four decades, the country fought a crippling and massively destructive war with Iraq, made clandestine efforts to build a nuclear weapon, subsidized terrorism in Lebanon and elsewhere, propped up warlords in bordering countries, weathered oil booms and busts, threatened the immolation of Israel, and sent out its tiny patrol craft to play chicken in the Persian Gulf with the most powerful navies on earth. Yet despite it all, the Ayatollahs have hung on to a power structure that really hasn't changed much in the last 40 years. Last month, in response to a spike in gas prices, thousands of young Iranians took to the streets to demand change. What they got instead were mass killings by the shock troops sent out by the regime to suppress the unrest. Over 200 are known to be dead, and some say the real death toll could be as high as 1,000. Ali Reza-Nader is a former international policy analyst at the Rand Corporation, and currently a senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, with a focus on Iran and U.S. policy in the Middle East. On Tuesday, he spoke to me by phone from Washington about the situation in Iran. Here are excerpts from that interview. How many people were killed last month as a response to the protests?
1: The U.S. government has said that a thousand plus people have been killed in Iran. It's impossible to get a precise count. Amnesty International had a relatively low count uh, in the beginning, I think 100 to 200. Just based on what I've seen, including videos, very graphic videos of the Revolutionary Guards and the best siege paramilitary shooting people, this looked like a slaughter. The regime was ready to shoot to kill it Had orders from the very top from the leader, Khamenei. And so I wouldn't be surprised if a thousand plus people died, maybe even more. We know that thousands have been arrested, 8,000, according to some estimates. Many thousands have been injured. There have been those who have disappeared, that are under torture, under the threat of execution.
0: What are your primary sources for information about things that are going on inside Iran?
1: We're getting a lot of news from within Iran from regular civilians, people who have video cameras on their phones. And that's a lot of people in Iran have this technology. So they're just shooting videos. And narrating them. Also, human rights activists and other political activists are sending out videos and testimonials and photos and articles all the time. Some of the best sources are social media like Telegram, Facebook, but also Twitter. We also hear directly from people who travel back and forth to Iran and describe conditions in the country. And of course, these days, Persian language media is also valuable, channels like Iran International.
0: China does a rather thorough job of sanitizing the internet when something like this happens within its borders. Mm -hmm. How come Iran, which is also obsessed with suppressing negative information, how come it's done such a bad job of keeping these details out of the international media?
1: The Islamic Republic actually looks up to China as a model, and it's been getting Chinese assistance in developing technology to filter the internet or shut off the internet. And it did try to hide information from coming out. As soon as there were protests, peaceful protests, the regime shut down the internet and literally started shooting people. It had been expecting mass unrest. But I think in this day and age, technology has improved so much and Iranians have gained so much more access. That's very difficult for the regime to completely suppress the internet. It is also dependent on the internet. And during the several days that shut the internet off, it suffered reported several hundred million dollars in damages. For example, Telegram is used by everybody in Iran. Regime officials also use Telegram. So it's impossible at this point, I believe, for the regime to totally blacken Iran out. And I think that's why it's important that the United States, not just the U.S. government, but U.S. media and the private sector and human rights organizations are very loud about what's happening in Iran because the regime's strategy is to suppress dissent violently and convince the Iranian people that they're not being heard and the world doesn't care about them.
0: On Monday, 160 Iranian lawyers sent a letter to the country's president, Hassan Rouhani, demanding accountability and an international investigation to determine who is responsible for ordering security forces to kill so many people. Are these lawyers taking their lives in their hands by making this sort of demand? Can they end up in prison too?
1: Anybody who speaks out in Iran and expresses the slightest level of opposition to the regime, risks all sorts of punishment. The lawyers are demanding accountability from Rouhani, and President Rouhani is directly responsible. He was fully aware of the regime's plan, not just as president, but uh, within the National Security Council in Iran, and he's responsible for the massacres and gross human rights violations as much as Khamenei, the leader.
0: Do you think it's realistic for anyone to expect accountability from this regime?
1: When we look at Iran these days, Iranians have completely lost open reforms. They feel tricked by people like Rouhani. They call him the purple fox because fox is a trickster. And purple was his campaign color. And Rouhani promised a lot of, to Iranians. He promised greater political freedoms and social freedoms and a better economy. And he's delivered bullets to them. The Islamic Republic has had a very rigid political system since the revolution. The supreme leader of Iran, starting with Ayatollah Khomeini and then Khomeini, have made all the major decisions throughout Iran's past 40 years. There has been no significant reform within the system, despite many promises from so-called reformist leaders like former President Khatami or Rouhani and nothing has changed. Over the last 40 years, things have just gotten worse and worse for 99% of Iranians. You know, there is a small class of people who are doing very well or are extremely wealthy and deeply resented by the rest of the population. They're looking for something completely new. They're looking for a future past the Islamic Republic. They've been chanting this in the streets for the past two years rejecting the concept of moderate versus reformist that's often pushed in places like Washington, D.C. It started in 2017, what's probably called the Banda's Movement. Banda's in Persian meaning overthrow. And the goal is to overthrow the Islamic Republic. So that is the dominant framework that Iran should be viewed today because Iranians everywhere have lost hope.
0: It wasn't so long ago that their protests could be deflected with demagoguing what Iran called the great Satan, the United States, and the little Satan, which was Israel. I get the sense that that trick either doesn't work or it isn't being used. The main chant over the last two years has been,
1: they lie to us when they say America is the enemy, our enemy is right here in Iran, meaning the Islamic Republic. That really demonstrates that Iranians don't believe that. I think they've stopped believing in that a very long time ago, except a a few older revolutionaries and the parasitic system that runs Iran under Khamenei. The vast majority of Iranians are very young. And like all young people, they want to do well in life and earn a living and buy their own homes and get married and have children, etc. The vast majority of people in Iran, especially young people, don't have that. The vast majority of Iranians do not care about Israel as their main problem. They don't think America is the problem. They don't blame outsiders as much as their leaders uh, would like us to believe. They know where their problems come from. They come from within Iran.
0: So there's a pattern throughout history where a government will become increasingly detached from its people and increasingly reliant on a small military elite that enriches itself and protects the government. This goes back to Rome, the idea of a, a corrupt Praetorian Guard. Is the IRGC in Iran, does it fill that role?
1: The Revolutionary Guards is in a way a Praetorian Guard that protects the dictator, the dictator being Khamenei. The guards is essentially most powerful security, intelligence, and military actor gets the most resources, it's deeply interested in having a very extensive nuclear a uranium enrichment program, and developing long-range missiles. It basically rules Iran. It's the biggest economic actor by far. And Iranians view the Revolutionary Guards as the enemy as much as anybody else, because the Revolutionary Guards are senior leadership, even before the latest round of protests broke out, stated that we know how to crush protests. They've been preparing for this for a long time. They have massive forces throughout Iran, especially Tehran.
0: We've reached the midpoint in this Quillette podcast, which we will resume very shortly. But first, a short message from our commercial supporters at BetterHelp, an online counseling service that helps people become happier and more productive. By logging on at BetterHelp, you can connect with your professional licensed counselor in a safe and private online environment according to your own pace and schedule, using secure video or phone sessions, as well as online chat and text. Some of the specialties of BetterHelp counselors include depression, anger, stress, anxiety, relationship problems, sleep trouble, and trauma. BetterHelp uses a network of 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 U.S. states, and you can switch therapists at no charge to make sure you find the right fit. Financial aid is available for those who qualify. And of course, anything you share with the professionals at BetterHelp is strictly confidential. Quillette podcast listeners get 10% off their first month's service by using the discount code QUILLETTE. If you'd like to know more, please go to betterhelp.com slash quillette. That's betterhelp.com slash quillette. And now, back to our podcast. In Iran and other countries where this brutal form of suppression of dissent takes place. Often the regime will pretend that they're not really directing the security forces. There'll be these plainclothes guys who get out of pickup trucks wearing ordinary clothing, and they'll beat up the protesters with pipes. Has Iran tried to do that sort of thing, or has it been very clear that these are uniformed security personnel who are performing these acts of suppression?
1: The regime has thrown everything it had, at protesters, from plainclothes agents to law enforcement and anti-riot forces and heavily armed back Revolutionary Guards forces that we know shot at protesters' vital organs, the head and the heart. There are also confirmed reports of Iranians being massacred, heavy weaponry used against protesters, including heavy machine guns, armored personnel carriers, and even tanks.
0: How are these protests different from those in 2009? That was a period when the U.S. president was Barack Obama, and I remember that he received criticism for not being more encouraging of the protesters because there was a sense that those protests theoretically could have brought the regime down. Is this a second iteration of the protests that unfolded a decade ago?
1: No, I don't think this is a second iteration at all. It's uh, very completely different. Something that started in 2017 as an attempt to get rid of the regime, and it's continuing now. In 2017, it was taking place in smaller towns and cities, and now it's spread to everywhere in the country. In 2009, the protests were motivated by the re election of Mahmoud Ahmadinejad as president. His re election was viewed as being fraudulent. And so the other candidate, Mir Hossein Mousabi, and Khatami and Karubi, another reformist leader, led massive protests. Their intention, though, wasn't to overthrow the Islamic Republic. They had this vague and now what is clear false sense of reforms. There was a lot of anti-regime sentiment during 2009. Anti-regime sentiment has existed from the very beginning. As soon as the Islamic Republic was created, 100,000 Iranian women protested against it. And so it's been continuing for 40 years. Now the Islamic Republic is in an existential fight because Iranians no longer believe in reforms and they want something completely different. Reformist leaders like Musavi and Karubi and Khatami have completely lost credibility.
0: I find it difficult to get an answer to a basic question, how religious is Iranian society? This is supposed to be an Islamic dictatorship, but I sometimes get the sense that ordinary Iranians aren't actually that religious compared to citizens of other Muslim countries. Ironically, Iran
1: has become very secular under the Islamic Republic. A lot of Iranians have been turned away from religion by the regime because of its corruption. This is a regime that uses religion to enrich in itself and expand its own power, not just in Iran, but across the Middle East. And so a lot of Iranians have become secular. That's one factor. But also, just I've noticed in the last 10 years, as younger Iranians have lost faith in reforms and reformists, that there are becoming or have become more secular as well. I think right now the clergy in Iran faces an an existential crisis. A lot of Iranians no longer trust the clergy. That doesn't mean that there aren't religious Iranians. There are still many religious Iranians. Religion is not completely dead. I think the version that the Islamic Republic has sold to the Iranian people for the last 40 years is dead,
0: however. If this regime fell, what would replace it? One of the reasons I ask is that the Arab Spring targeted unpopular autocratic regimes, but in some cases, what replaced it was worse.
1: The Iranians do have buyer's remorse now. They regret the 1979 revolution. One of the chants that we hear quite a bit is, what a mistake we made to have a revolution. But the Iranians are also at a point where they have no other choice but to overthrow this regime. We can't tell what comes next because the Islamic Republic hasn't Allowed open political expression for the last 40 years. All the elections are tightly regulated and engineered. If we look at some of the forces shaping Iran today, many Iranians want a secular political system, so separation of religion and politics. They don't want the clergy to be in power. I think nationalism is going to be a very powerful force. And when I say nationalism, I mean growing appreciation for Iranian culture and Iranian history and not what the Islamic Republic has sold to Iranians in the last 40 years, which is an Islamist ideology that I think is deeply foreign to Iran. A lot of Iranians want to go back to their roots. So those are some of the forces shaping Iranian society given how unstable iran is going to be likely in the future we can't predict what kind of forces will shape the destiny of iran but i am sure that the vast majority of iranians do not want dictatorial one-man rule they do not want the islamic republic
0: ali reza nader thank you so much for taking the time to talk to the quillette podcast
1: my pleasure thanks for having me if you would like to support quillette please consider becoming a patron